But what I try and do is be an example because I realize like coming from sport and even just being an entrepreneur, like at the end of the day, it's about um, the example that you set and what you actually do. So in terms of me, like I'm really, I really want to inspire, like especially young black boys, young, young guys like myself who I kind of went wayward after I finished playing football. That's Jenny Madiwaka, the founder of Yope, a UK startup helping creators build sustainable careers on TikTok. And he joins us here today on the Black Founders Podcast, hosted by Hoka, the house of Kurt Henderson. Hey, Jede, thrilled to have you on the show today. Great to be here, Kurt. Um, I'm really happy to be a guest today. So today, we're going to be discussing your journey, your passions, and we're going to get stuck into some fun challenges that we have for you, which I'll explain in more detail before we start each one. But first, tell us about yourself and Yoke, your startup. So um, my name is Jide Madawako. I'm one of the co-founders at Yoke, and we essentially help creators to um, build sustainable careers on TikTok. So it works because we have a community of over 2,000 um, creators. They literally come onto the app um, that we have. They're able to copy a link um, and start to monetize their audience, um, essentially in like minutes. So like we've had some phenomenal stories um, and like been growing a lot recently. So uh, some of the stories are like some of the creators, they bought a Tesla with their yoke bag. Wow. Some creators have, like paid for heart surgery, some bought a house. So it's been that like, really phenomenal stuff. But um, yeah, we're all about helping creators build sustainable careers, um, especially through TikTok, which is our main uh, platform. Okay, and it's, and it's you and your co-founder Mustafa that's running it? Yep, yeah, so it's me and Musti. Um, Musti and I, we went to university together. Met each other about... Time's flown, like, literally, like, six, six, I think six, seven years ago at, at Lancaster University. And um, I just, uh, after after we finished uni, we, we kind of kept in touch. And I went off to work at Sweatcoin, which was a startup. Um, I think they're still going. And, and I kind of started to understand the influencer and the creator industry through them. And then uh, we then, Musi was doing his master's and he then graduated. So we kind of hooked up after uni and said like, yo, let's try and um, attack this problem and create this platform that creators can easily monetize their audience with. Yeah. And um, it's over the past, now it's two and a half years now and it's like spiraled into, into actually, into an actual business. Like we have um, uh, a team of it's like 17 now mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's been it's been going really well. And so um, it's been an amazing journey to, especially to do it with one of my good friends and also, we have other, te- other team members who we went to university with, so like Clinton, Urchan, um, even James, one of the developers. So like it's, it's, a, it's a length alumni team, but um, it's, a, it's one that's, that's been pretty successful so far. Wow, it sounds like you and the team have really come a long way. Very exciting. Um, tell us more about the Content House Mansion and the 8 million followers that your creators have amassed over time. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So yeah. Obviously, there was a big boom last year in terms of creator to houses, mm-hmm. on especially on TikTok, and um, we we saw that there was like a hu- uh, opportunity there for us to essentially kind of launch like the biggest creator house in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like we wanted to not just focus on the UK, but we actually said, how can we be the best creator house on TikTok and essentially build a, yeah. a product. And um and uh, a brand that could really engage with like Gen Z, wow the platform as well. Mm-hmm. And um 
and help these creators to kind of take their career to the next level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, we ended up finding um, is a mat is a mansion like literally um it took us a few months to find uh had a swimming pool had um we had the chefs for the creators we had uh pt and it was a whole experience for them to essentially kind of wow the internet and and we really did do that um so currently we we're the biggest creator house in the uk we've um wow. went super super viral like um one of the highest viewed video we have has over 60 million views wow. and on top of that um across like the first week we grew i think it was like in the first first two weeks we reached over two and a half million followers on tiktok so it's been crazy it's been um a wild journey a bit and yeah it's um watch that space we've got a lot more to come with it as well. congrats that's incredible wow and 60 million <laughs> views in the highest video Whew. i was doing a bit of research um which was really interesting because as I was scrolling through your LinkedIn profile, just to kind of see what you're about, to see your, your previous places where you may have worked. You know, most people you'll see did an internship here, went on to working for this company to that company. But yeah. the more I scrolled, the more curious I got. I was baffled to see that Jenny has, has played for Leicester City Football Club yeah. and Ipswich Town as well. So not only are you an entrepreneur, you're also a professional football player. Tell us about that. Well, I'd say that was another life, um, which it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, so when I was 15, I finished my GCSEs. Um, well, I always say 15 because I'm born in August, so I'm, I'm late. So um, finished my GCSEs and throughout my whole secondary school uh, career and like being in school, all I wanted to do was play football. I wanted to be a professional footballer. That was my dream. I really wanted to play at the highest level. So um, I was on trial at loads of clubs, at, you name it. I've been on trial there, like up and down the country, just um, scouts and stuff, um, interesting me from a young, um, at a young age. Um, so uh, when I finished, uh, the summer that I finished my GCSEs, I was on trial at Ipswich and ended up getting offered a, a scholarship. So it was a two year scholarship. So I moved out there um, and I lived in Ipswich for two years. Uh, as from like 15 to 17 and yeah. we essentially um, it was it was a crazy experience because I've gone from like being in a Catholic school being um, like in a school where it's so strict to to play football there and um, and seeing like grown men like effing and blinding and <laughs> asking all this like crazy stuff and and it was it was grueling experience to begin with because like you're running in like pre-season mm -hmm. in like 30 degrees deep in like we used to do like dirt track runs and stuff. So it was kind of crazy, but it gave me a lot of discipline. Mm -hmm. um, then after I, I finished at Ipswich, uh, I didn't get a pro contract. Then I moved to Leicester. Mm -hmm. um, my agent sought me out there and I ended up signing a year's pro mm -hmm. there, um, which was which was an amazing experience. Probably I'd say it was even better than Ipswich because I, I felt like I grew up. Mm -hmm. I had the little murk and stuff and I was, I was driving about. I thought I was really <laughs> big time, you know? Um, but at the same time, um, you know, that's probably where my downfall was that I thought I was, um, I'd made it. I thought, I, I remember the day I did sign that pro, I was like, right, I've made it. Like, I'm actually in my dream. And that's, I think that's the downfall because it's like that complacency. Yeah. So while I was playing football, I don't get twisted. Like, um, I was fully dedicated to it. And then I was like, really, really, um, like nothing came above football. But then I, f I believe that that's when, if I had like a better mentor back then as a younger person, I would understand that the game isn't just about mm -hmm. 
um, what you do on the pitch is about what you do off the pitch, like the extra training, the mental side, in terms of like actually mentally preparing yourself and focusing and applying yourself to essentially being that starting eleven to Wilder, to Wilder Gaffer, to mm-hmm. to do um, to actually have an impact. So I finished at Leicester, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I never got a, an, another contract. Oh, and I did. I, I was gonna play non-league. I played a couple of non-league clubs and mm-hmm. stuff for for about a year, but then. My mum, as a Nigerian mum would do, she she pulled me by the scruff of my neck and said, this football thing is over. Yeah, I go to university. So then, um, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to go out to play football in America, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But um, there was like kind of, because I, I had signed a pro, even though I wasn't like a proper professional, like playing first team and stuff, I had signed professional status, mm-hmm. which kind of like messes up for the NCAA. Um, so I couldn't go out to America and I was going to go to like Penn State, which is like a massive university out there, like D1 football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up in Lancaster. And I remember I was like, Jesus, like, how have I gone from like playing at Leicester and all of this to like being in um, in a dorm in Lancaster? And I'd never been there before. Mm-hmm. But it turned out to be probably one of the be- best things in my life just because it grounded me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understood that um, like when you're playing football and you're in that world, like everything is given to you. You're told what time you have to do, yeah. um, what time you have to train, what time you have to wake up. Everything's given to you. And um, it, it allowed me to understand that you have to work hard, to get back in the education system. And life is a longer game. Mm. Like life isn't just um, retire at 30 and you don't know what you're doing. It's, it's ever, you have to continue to grow. You have to be consistent. And I study economics and I started to actually understand how the world works through that. Mm. And um, fortunately, I met Musi and a lot of my other mates that, um, that are really good friends with now. So, yeah, it's been crazy. Wow. So many life experiences to take from that. I um, love the fact how you talked about when you went to Lancaster, it, it grounded you almost like that pathway to follow before to keep you um, focused on something. So, Jede, for our first challenge, You'll be exploring your multitasking skills, answering some questions I've prepared for you. Okay, cool. Whilst playing T-Rex run of the game, when your internet goes down that you play in Google Chrome, hopefully nothing too challenging though. The longer you stay alive over a minute, jumping over those cactuses, the more points you'll get. Oh. There's three rounds with a maximum of 15 points. Right. That's five points per round. So, you ready to get started? That makes sense. That makes sense. So my first question is, tell us about the most interesting influencer you've worked with so far. Oh uh, yeah, so the most influ- interesting um, creator that we worked with is a creator called Bobby Moore. Um, Bobby Moore, he's um, one of our like signed talent, but he's a 17 year old kid who's like completely changed the whole way that creators um, kind of engage on TikTok. So he like um, does a lot of story content and um, he also like um, helped to like educate a lot of his audience. And he's got like over 6 million um, creators, um, 6 million followers on TikTok. But the guy is the most humble kid I've ever met that he's even staying to do his like A-levels. Um, and like he's a creator who's earning a lot of money and he still wants to do his A-levels, um, which kind of just shows that, um, and like his shows like his humility and how like kind of he understands the industry that he's in like he he essentially wanted to he told me that he wanted to be an investment banker but he started creating content on tiktok and now he's gonna kind of give it a shot for a year but i find that just super interesting because like any other kid 
given that opportunity and especially like the kind of amount that he's earning would like say yeah forget school I'm not going back there but he's like stuck at it he's stayed disciplined even throughout corona like he's still in school and and like just the fact that the way that he approaches life I, I, I really respect so I think he's like one of the most interesting yeah. wow very inspiration very very incredible from him to to, yeah. to be doing that at the same time but also wanting to pursue um his dream right. <laughs> like this this kid he um he's earned a lot of money so like he doesn't even need to be in school but that's why i'm just like why <laughs> yeah makes complete sense um so jelly you've done really well there you actually got three points you stayed alive for about 37 seconds um so congrats i will be firing the second question that you write about now so you ready to jump again yeah how have you seen the influencer market change since you started yoke the influencer market has changed phenomenally since i um i started yoke so again as i mentioned um it's like gone towards creator power um and like creators kind of have a lot more power in comparison to like them begging for brand deals um on top of that there's also so many different ways to like monetize your audience now so there's like only fans patreon um mm-hmm. even like with the youtube adsense as well like you can earn through that and like tiktok as well um has kind of emerged and become like the world's leading um kind of creator platform and short form content as well has like emerged so like there's been so many changes but the number one thing out of all is like gen z as well mm-hmm. i feel like now um when when we first started you wanted to be like superficial you wanted to like live this lifestyle as a creator and it was like kind of false but now it's all about like who you are and it's about um you being um like honest and, and being open and and just being transparent with your audience and people are a lot more accepting um now than they were like a few years ago when you just had to be fake online incredible Jedi, you literally smashed that one. You got four points. Uh, you lasted for about around 50, 52 or so seconds. Um, so congrats. I feel like you're getting better every single time, which is <laughs> which is very noble. <laughs> um, really well answered. And you just have one more question now. Um, so you ready? Yep. All right. What type of influencers go down well on social media and why? When you say go well... I think like it depends on the audience they're targeting but what I've generally seen is that influencers or creators that are really authentic and like open and honest with their audience they're the ones that generally you like ubiquitously work um especially like relatability so like I was even speaking re- I was watching a YouTube video recently about like these high school um M- um like basketball stars so like one of them's like LeBron's son and like um Lamelo um and Ball and, and like a lot of these other um um athletes, yeah, student athletes. But the key thing is is that they're like very relatable with their audience because like they're all teens and they all wanna be that kid, you know? So like what I think is like creators with talent and relatability are the ones that um perform with best online. So talent and relatability. Interesting. Talent, relatability um, for the audience they're targeting, if that makes sense. So Definitely. it's like, if I'm, if I got talent, but I'm, re- and I'm not, but I'm relatable, but I'm trying to target like, and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the relatability and the audience target is kind of in the same basket anyway. But mm. if I'm like trying to target, like if me personally, like um, middle-aged mums, for example, I'm not a middle-aged mum, you know? So it's harder for me to be relatable. I may have talent, but I'm targeting the wrong audience. So mm. I feel like um, you need to know who you're trying to target and just be honest with them. Super interesting. Um, and well done on that round. Like, you obviously have a very good... <laughs> your multitasking skills are phenomenal. <laughs> you got four points again. Calm. Out of how much? Um, so that takes you to a total of 11 points out of 15 um, that you just earned on that round. So incredible. So for our next segment, I want to know what you're passionate about and what movements you champion. What gets your heart racing outside or alongside business, whether you do that publicly or privately. And most importantly, where do you want to see change? Um, yeah, I'm really passionate about like inclusivity um, in terms of just, um, I do feel that everybody should get given like equal, equal access to opportunity. Um, that's the way I describe it. In terms of like movements and stuff, generally I'm, I'm, I'm kind of passive in a sense that I'm not gonna always go out and march and like try and be out there openly. But what I try and do is be an example because I realize like coming from sport and even just being an entrepreneur, like at the end of the day, it's about um, the example that you set and what you actually do. So in terms of me, like I'm really, I really want to inspire like, especially young black boys, young, young guys like myself who I kind of went wayward after I finished playing football. Mm-hmm. And um, I really want to show them that you don't have to be a, um, an athlete, you don't have to be an entertainer, you can be an entrepreneur. And that's kind of like what I'm trying to push for. So like self-development and like me being um, the man that I am today, um, I, I hope that other young boys um, could look at me and say, yeah, one day I could be like him or, and, and, and like I can really kind of change the world. So, so for me, I, I'm really, um, I'm not overtly like standing behind like, oh, one movement I'm going to post on, on like Instagram and, and social media. But what I try and do is be an example in myself to, um, to say like, okay, you can look at him and, and he could be like, um, can kind of hold the, um, be an example to like, to like look up to. So that's what I would say. Incredible, man. Really, really incredible and super inspiring. Um, Big thanks for, for sharing that with us. Um, it was actually interesting just going back to, as well, the, the influencer side of it, um, how that has played a part um, on people who are wanting to become content curators, um, learning from their past experiences. Um, have you heard any interesting stories from content curators um, who've had an, uh, a background um, inspiring them to go into becoming content curators? Um, that are similar to yours in any way or in somewhat um, memorable um, from the top of your head? Um, yeah, well, content specifically, in terms of content careers, I say um, on TikTok you hear like crazy stories and some of the guys that we've worked with, um, like um, I remember there's this woman, she was, uh, she, her name's like Jeannie Weenie on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to her and she was just saying that how she's actually an entrepreneur herself. Mm-hmm. And like she owns restaurants in like Canada, mm-hmm. and um, 
her businesses have gone to pop because of Corona. Mm-hmm. So she was like, well, I've always been creative. I've always wanted to kind of um, inspire people and I've always wanted to have that outlet. And she ended up like starting to create content on TikTok. And now I think she's got a few million followers and her her whole um like kind of theme is all about how she's um like her life experiences and like her kind of um kind of the stereotype of being Asian mm-hmm. and like how people kind of engage with her. So that that's been interesting. And then there's also another creator that I, um that I was speaking to, and he was just telling me about how he he went to university. He's from the UK, but he lives in New York. Mm-hmm. And now he went to university. He um he'd been doing um dog hours and and like been um been living in New York and, and trying to build a life there. Mm-hmm. But then like TikTok kind of come along. And he's been able to like kind of uh, expand on his comedic side, and he's always wanted to be a comedic comedian, and like he's really like kind of um, focused on his content and trying to keep the content quality and and make people laugh and bring a smile to the world. Mm-hmm. So I think like um, for me personally, um, a lot of creators um, that I've met on TikTok, they've stumbled into it and um, and started to like build this career. Um, and and everybody has like different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the two that I I say that's kind of stood up stood out to me. Super interesting, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing all that information. I was actually prior to this um, conversation or um, to speaking to you, like, doing some research around um, around just influences as, as a whole and like what it means to businesses. And I saw an interesting stat um, statement more like where it says businesses are making. Um, five dollars twenty for every single dollar spent on influencer marketing. That was a survey done in two thousand and nineteen by the Influencers Marketing Hub. Um, so obviously, this goes to show there's a huge appetite for businesses looking to work with with influencers because they see maybe it yields a higher conversion when influencers are promoting um, like specific products or promoting maybe other startups or brands, etc. Um, what's your thoughts around that, and how have you seen that change over the years? Um, for maybe um, big brands like putting marketing commercials on TV um, and now influencers, the, the rise of influencers almost taking over that market. How have you seen that change? Well, um, so like for that that specific statistic, I disagree just because um, I think that create, working with creators, it depends on the creator that you're working with, mm-hmm. depends, depends on the content. So like, um, so I don't know if that as an industry standard is probably the return or ROAS mm-hmm. like for the advertising spend. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is that I feel like um, the way that I look in the market is that um, the power is going towards the creators. And like I kind of predict like um, uh, uh, a platform like kind of war kind of brewing over the next like uh, 24 to uh, uh, 24 to 36 months. And what I mean by that is that if you look at TikTok, um, they they've released like the creator fund. So like for for them, the way that they make money is through these creators um creating content. So they need the creators to create content. Yeah. If you look at um Instagram, they're releasing reels now. Um mm-hmm. and it's helping creators to grow, helping creators to create content. And um when you consider that, the whole idea is that um they're trying to attract creators to create content on their platform. Snapchat was spotlight recently doing the same thing um trying to attract creators so what's actually happening is that all these platforms are fighting for the creators and the power is going towards them mm-hmm. so um i do feel that um especially with like apple recently with ios 14 their whole thing is about first party data 
our first party data is essentially like are you owning your audience and like yeah. you actually people actually um going and um engaging with brands and content because they like it and not just because their information has been shared so um mm. with all of that being factored into one i do feel that um for advertisers trying to work with creators in the future they really need to look at more of a longer term game and uh, they need mm. to look at more of it um them engaging with the creator kind of um building rapport and helping that creator um to develop with the brand or developing with the creators and also i can imagine like um brands as well in the future now like you see with pretty little thing even with like bang energy on tiktok mm. a lot of brands will end up starting to build their own creator networks um because then it allows them to kind of have more control in the pipeline control in the content and again it goes back to that longer term kind of relationship instead of them just throwing out um mm -hmm. uh cash to to put in front of a creator so I feel like um, the industry is, is is definitely working towards a creator. And if you do want to be a creator, um, you should really look at it as a longer term game because you are the asset and you are you are of value. So so there's a lot into that just for me personally because like if you look at like YouTube for example, they're making absolute billions like um like billions. I think their their revenue last quarter no that was Google actually, but Google's revenue last quarter was like ten billion something like that but youtube are making billions and creators technically are only getting like one percent or a small percentage of that you know wow. so like if you look at um like platforms like only fans and patreon like they're essentially spitting like 30 percent of their kind of revenue with these wow. creators well creators are get i think on only fans or so the actual platform only really takes like 20 to 30 percent but the creators are getting like 60, 70 percent of the revenue. Incredible. Completely reversed to like YouTube, mm -hmm. Snapchat, um, TikTok, where it's the it's the opposite skew. Um, so I feel like creators um now it's about them developing to own their own audience and to kind of have more engagement with that. Um, and so mm -hmm. and they can integrate brands or build their own brands and businesses from um from that so so it's a long it's a long spew it's a whole like kind of like, idea but it's um I, I do see the creator market just um continuing to grow as well mm. super interesting today um it's so fascinating how it's just in the last number of years it's just shot to being the almost the first port of call for for businesses looking to reach certain like demographics um, by working with micro-influencers and large influencers, of course. So for our second challenge, it's the presentation round where you'll have to pitch a new startup idea curated by me. We'll go through the problem, the solution and the business model, all within a few slides. Um, now, of course, you haven't seen any of the slides you'll be presenting. <laughs> So this is a test of your, your improv skills. So I want to see some mad tricks coming out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you'll be able to earn up to a maximum of 15 mm -hmm. points. So that's five for confidence, five for believability, and five for how well you answer any questions. Mm -hmm. And for you listeners, you can find the visual slides on my website at kurthenderson.com slash podcast. So are you ready to take the stage? Yeah. Thanks everyone for being here. Um, we have our final presenter today um, talking about their startup. 
Um, we have Jede today. Um, thanks Jede for being here and welcome to the Startup Pitching um, Competition. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, so hi everybody, my name is Jede. It's amazing to be here today. And um, I'm here to present um, my startup, Granny. Um, Granny is empowering the really old folk to become influencers through care homes. Um, just before I start, I wanted to just kind of give you the backstory as to why um, we actually created this startup. Because my family, um, I'm a single child, um, but uh, we have a, like, a lot older. Um, I have a, like grandparents, and my grandparents actually raised me. But now um, I'm at a stage where I have to put them in an old care home. And I realize that um, uh, depression is really high for, um, yeah, for, for the elderly. So we created this start to give them something to kind of keep their mind active, to keep them something to do, and to kind of show their and share their stories with the world. Amazing. So the problem. Um, the problem is that we don't um, know enough. Yeah, so the big problem is that um, we don't actually know enough at a young age um, where we can gain life experiences from. So um, eco-friendly. So being young means more about moving around, which increases our carbon footprint and social anxieties. We can re reduce social anxieties in the teens um, by dressing old and less fashionable. Um, so just with that problem itself, um, I really do believe that um, as young people, being able to share their stories um, and understand the stories of elderly people um, will actually help to empower us and to give us that life experience so that we don't make the same mistakes as them. A lot of these old people, like when I walk into the care home, for me, it actually feels like I'm unlocking hundreds of books because all of these old people have had years and years of experiences that we can unlock, we can share, we can create into stories. And by them becoming content creators, I really think that they can empower the youth to change the world. Wow. So case study. So um, meet Ade. He's, um, he's, he's had it hard in life. He's alone. He's waiting on his next form of contact. He's stuck in a care home. He's playing bingo with Nigel. And we want to change that for him. We want to make his life so much more exciting. And ah, and here's a comment from Ade himself. Ah, it's lonely in here, but I need to connect. And this is where Granny comes in. <laughs> so the solution. The solution is an app which allows old folk to share their daily lives with the, real, with the rest of the world. The young people and the rest of the world can learn from their experiences, they can save money, and they can save the planet. So the market validation. There are 21,000 care homes in the UK and there are over 8 million um, adults that are over the age of 70. And 4% of them are on Facebook in the UK. So, uh, I'm just sorry to interrupt you, um, Mr. Jello. Um, so there's only about, what, about 32,000 old people in the UK that might use this product then? Yeah. Based on the maths, I just don't quite think. Um, so, yeah, in terms of that, the, the 32,000 people are in terms of uh, who will be using the product, they're essentially our actual content creators. So mm. that's not actually the addressable market. The total addressable market is global because essentially these um, creators will be creating content for uh, the audience that isn't them. 
So this allows them. So if you actually think about it, we have an actual pool of 32,000 creators who mm. are in this niche that could really create and share stories. And if you think about it as well, 70 years, that's 70 times 32,000, um, which I'm not going to lie to you, I'm on stage, I'm under pressure, and I'm not the best at math. <laughs> but with that, you can only imagine how many stories that you could tell um, from, the, from that audience. That's incredible. Wow. Good maths there, by the way. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so, how the product works. Um, I think, Jelly, you're supposed to explain that um, oh. to, the, to the audience. So how does the product work? Oh, so the product is very, very simple. Um, what, it, what we actually do is that we have our own feed um, in the app that automatically can be shared onto other social media platforms. Obviously, because it's harder to obviously attract these um, older folk onto like these new social media platforms. But we have a simple tool that allow them to create content automatically uh, and automatically share it to other social media platforms such as TikTok, Instagram, and even on, on Facebook and YouTube. Wow. So the product, meet the fans. The, meet the fans in the convention. <laughs> I don't really get the fans, but what I would say. Um, so in terms of meeting the product itself, the product is a very, very simple three-step tool. Here we have Adi, I gave Adi the phone. Mm -hmm. Adi is able to talk and share stories. Um, he pauses, pauses the, the camera from recording and is able to post immediately and it's shared with millions of people on TikTok and these other social media platforms. And, these, and, and this then gets validated in the back end by our team who is able to curate the content, give Adi tips on how to improve his content and then also, we host weekly workshops that allow these old folk to understand how to share their stories and, and tell their stories in a much more authentically and unique way. So we have a team that is there to help and to develop this, this, this addressable market of 32,000. And we, we are here um, from our previous experience working in social media. We understand what type of content works on these platforms, how to structure it. And we're all here to help these old folk to become superstars. Wow. And do, do you think there are any social pressures on these old folks um, becoming superstars at such fragile ages? Well, to be honest, there is no pressure for them to become superstars. The whole idea is that, um, and from our research and, and trialing process so far, what we've seen is that old people really do want to share their stories and they really want to interact. The main reason is because they've, mm -hmm. they're they're in care homes, they're pretty lonely and they understand that and, and generally you see that the world has kind of forgotten about them because they're old. Mm -hmm. But just being able to speak um, on a camera and share their stories and tell how they lived um, has been something that has not only boosted their morale and we feel that we're giving them more years to live through our product. So the whole idea is that we're trying to at least um, help old people to really engage and, and, and boost their morale in the later years of their life. Wow, that's beautiful. I, I love what you guys are doing. I really do love what I can see, the complete um, reason to why you guys went into business doing this. So tell us about the addressable model. So um, in terms of the business model, um, there, there's an increase in number of tourists and locals visiting care homes worldwide. 
Uh, it's a very simple model. There's a subscription, subscription fee or one-off payment for access. Um, so that's either going to be 20, 20 pounds a month or 50 pounds one-off. And um, if you think about in terms of the addressable market size, there's 20, 20 pounds times 37.9 million people. That means that there's at least 758 million, that million pounds available for us to address over the next two years. With two years, you're going to be able to, to, to generate this, this amount of, of money? No, the, the, it, it would be um, impossible for me to say that we'd be able to address it two years. But what I would say is that this is the actual market opportunity that's available to us um. in two years. So what we're trying to do is raise capital now to at least implement the processes, to hire the right team, so that we could then scale um, aggressively over the coming two years. But this is, this, is, this is a goal in terms of the best case scenario, but I can't give you any promises now, but what I do believe is that the team that we're gonna hire, the existing experience that we have in the team, and me and myself were completely dedicated towards us for making this a successful. Wow, beautiful. So in terms of some of the testimonials, and this one was really, really moving, and it, and it was um, from Karen from St. Ives. She said, this has the potential to change the world for old people. And honestly, from what's happened so far, I really, really um, believe it. Um, and there's Granny Mag. She said, I'm not gonna say it in her, in her voice, but she said, say bye to Bingo and hello to Granny. And it's just phenomenal stuff that, we're helping these old people actually utilize technology that they didn't even know existed. Um, and they're getting rid of the bingo, they're throwing it away. I should have, I should have got it on video, but one that literally threw away the bingo as she was grabbing her phone, like, it's phenomenal. Wow, that's definitely a change in, uh, in personalities. It's great to see how they adopted that. Uh, and Maya from, from Brazil, she says, <laughs> Estoy ansiosa por enviciar a So she says, I am um, astonished for... <laughs> uh, uh, my Spanish isn't the best I've done in a, in a while, but it says now. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, Maya from Seville, she said that she's astonished and she's um, very happy right now. Incredible. Wow, these are really good, legit testimonials. So how much are you guys raising then? So we're initially raising a seed of 300K. Um, and if you're interested, contact me at jide at grano.io. And um, honestly, we're on a mission to essentially bring self-esteem to um, mm. have a meaning in life for a lot of these um, elderly folk. And um, we want you guys to um, invest in the team, invest in the movement to help us to do that. So thank you so much for your time today. Excellent. Grandly. <laughs> Would you invest in that startup? Uh, if they, they didn't need to build a platform for it, I would do that. But if it was like, it sounds more like a, um, a management company, like a recruitment agency type thing. Because <laughs> you don't actually need a platform for that because you can basically create a media network of old people and, mm. uh, and be posting because they they're going to have to try and attract um, cut, um, attract viewers to the platform. So it don't even make sense. But if it was like a media <laughs> business where we're creating content and telling old people's stories, that is a better business. Mm. 
See, I, I love that. I love how you turn that one completely around. Maybe there is. Maybe there is something there. Maybe it's side hustle. <laughs> so I need influencers. No, LG influencers are actually a thing on TikTok. Mm, I've seen some of it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's why I was like, there is an address. I've seen it work in the real world, kind of mm-hmm. as well. But mm-hmm. um, well, probably just an agency. If that was an agency, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, first of all, I think your presentation on confidence was really good. So I'm going to give you four out of five for that. Um, I think your the believability was also very good. Um, you read through it like it was flawless, like you, you know, wrote this pitch deck yourself. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give you four for that. And I think your um, for your ability to answer the questions was was fantastic as well. Um, so again, I'm going to give you a solid four for that. So in total, you got twelve points out of the total of 15 points in that one. So congratulations um, for smashing that. Um, and yeah, all very exciting in, in how you went about um, pitching that. Um, and very believable. <laughs> so here we are at the third challenge. You will have to perform a fake product ad as we don't actually have a sponsor yet. Mm-hmm. These Concept ideas are inspired by the bored Elon Musk parody Twitter account and then turned into advert scripts. You'll be awarded two points based on your efforts. So here's the tweet you'll be turning into an ad today. (laughs) And feel free to spice it up. So it goes like this. A wearable device that displays how long your hangover is going to last tomorrow based on your current blood alcohol level. So yeah, good luck. Yeah, I'll go with that. And now, just to hear from one of our sponsors. <sighs> I'm sick and tired of those pesky hangovers and not knowing when they're going to end. Karen, have you heard of this? Like, what, what, Phil? It's, like, it's this thing, it's called uh, a hang timer. Uh, it's, it's a new smartwatch. Huh? Yes. Well, try out our new smartwatch by Hangshammer and BEM and say goodbye to waiting. Terms and conditions apply. So, for our fourth and final round, is it wrong or is it mm-hmm. right? You simply have to guess three true mm-hmm. or false questions surrounding business and personalities, etc. Mm-hmm. And you have the opportunity to earn a maximum of six points. That's two points per question. So, are you feeling ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Elon Musk reduced the cost of reaching the International Space Station by 90%. True or false? Oh, yeah, true. Because he's done it with SpaceX, right? But yeah. it might not be 90%. The answer is true. Yeah, true. Elon Musk reduced the cost of reaching the International Space Station by 90%, bringing it down from $1 billion per mission to just $60 million. Incredible. We're on the way. We're on the way. <laughs> Second question. Jeff Bezos makes $1 million per hour. True or false? 
Well, I would say that's true because he's got the maddest. He's like the richest man in the world. So, it could, but it could be like one million dollar per minute. You know, I don't know. But wait, I'm trying to think. It's incredible. No, I say it's false. I say it's false. Wow, you're correct. It is false. Calm. Jeff Bezos actually makes around nine million dollars per hour. Yeah, I thought it would be more because I'm thinking like um. 24, that's 24 mil a day. If you times that by 365, what, that's like uh, odd 600, 700 million a year. He's a, he waits way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good thinking there. I love it. And the final question of the true or false round is, Cher Wang is the CEO of Samsung. True or false? I'm just going to say true, just because I would believe... I don't know if it's... Uh, I'm just going to say true. It's a complete guess. Okay. You're wrong. The answer is false. Okay. Cher Wang is actually the co-founder and chairman of mobile technology company HTC and is worth around $1.6 billion. So she's broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh, So for that round, you got two questions right, which gives you a total of four points out of six. Congratulations. But your total points for this whole podcast is 30 points out of 40. <laughs> you smashed it. Well done, Jedi. Where did I turn again? Okay. I think it's about 30 or 32. Let me just check. Ah! Nah, he can't have beat me. Oh, he's going to be number one. <laughs> it's rigged. It's rigged. Stop the car. <laughs> and just for the final part, I just want to, I just want to know if you have any tips or tricks you want to leave any of our listeners today um, about how they can navigate their path. Um, on a startup journey or um, any tips and tricks you can leave them um, what they can learn about in regards to life values um cool so on a startup journey um i definitely say follow like your you have to enjoy what you're doing you have to be like invested and like obsessed about the industry that you're in especially and then mm -hmm. another thing that i would say is that like the easiest thing to do Mm -hmm. is find a fast moving industry and jump on that and trying to like disrupt uh, uh, existing mm -hmm. like industry. So I'd say try and probably look at the fast moving industry like the creator economy, um, crypto. Uh, there are two that I've just run off the top of my head. Look at these type of new um, industries and try and um, um, have simple solutions for them because they're fragmented markets. They're going to need, it's easier to make a simple product in a fast moving industry then disrupt a whole like kind of existing industry that's what I would say for startup and then also I'd say in life as well um just generally like don't get too high don't get too low like but enjoy the process enjoy what you're doing and like always try and do things with a smile because uh if you if you wake up and you hate what you're doing every day you're gonna bring the people around you down you're gonna you're even gonna bring yourself down um, so like, I know it's been a difficult times for a lot of people over the past like 12, 12 months with Corona, but just 
probably set yourself a goal and just be like, look, after this corona thing, I'm going IB for, I'm going out. I'm, even if it's after this corona, I'm going to go for a walk in the Lake District. Just set yourself a goal so that um you can uh, you can um, work towards it. So that's what I would say to the people. Brilliant, Jede. That was incredible. And thank you for leaving such an inspirational message with, with our listeners today. Thank you very much for being on the Hoka podcast, the Black Founders podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you and following your journey throughout. All the best. 